Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I've got a real treat for all of you today. Uh, the managing partner at Patent & Associates, which is a Los Angeles-based business management and consultancy firm, is here today. His name is Robert Patton, and he's been helping um, creative services agencies grow their business, become more profitable, develop better strategies, and really excel for two decades now. And he's been mentioned in Forbes, Entrepreneur, the New York Post, and has been uh, a person that I've really enjoyed talking to offline about all of these nerdy process, profitability, finance questions that we talk, love to talk about so much on the show. So with all of that, Robert, I want to thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> what got you into this space of working, you know, almost exclusively with creative agencies and uh, those types of businesses? This is a bit of a meandering journey, I would say, but um, worked many years in finance, um, ended up working internally at agencies. Um, I spent many years as well working in photography and have a bit of a creative side to my brain as well, but have discovered over many years of life that I'm more of an analytical person than I am a creative. And um, it sort of really just put both of what I am in a really great place and being able to work with creatives, being able to help creatives on a regular basis and um, being able to utilize my more analytical side to my brain. Well, it's funny, like most of most agency owners that I talk to that have identified a niche and kind of started to specialize, it's it's a similar thing, right? You get into an industry, you start doing work and slowly you start to figure out what you really love to do, who you really love to work with. It sounds like that was no different for you. No, definitely not. The exact same process for sure. <laughs> so Robert, one of the things that I love about what you do is you focus a lot on the operation side of the business. You focus a lot on finance. You have that background in finance that you're able to carry in. And to your point earlier, you, you do have that creative side to your brain so you can really empathize with, you know, holistically what's going on in the agency and bridge that gap between here's what's happening, you know, on the PL, on the balance sheet, here's what's happening in the metrics and have the conversation about what does that actually mean? Um, for the business. And so over two decades with clients, I'm sure you've seen some recurring patterns. I'd love to unpack what some of those key issues that you see a lot of clients dealing with are, um, you know, and how do they get themselves into that situation? Sure. So uh, to, to start off with, the, the thing that sort of really dro drove me to in finance was I look at finance um, operations being the client for the finance department and making sure that we're able to see everything. So from the financial perspective, I was able to see how the entire business functioned from how every project operated to where the inefficiencies were in operations to the inefficiencies in, in sales and BD. So a able to actually have a very clear understanding of what's going on. What I, what I would say is the primary issue that I see happen very regularly is agencies trying to be everything to everyone. And it causes so many headaches and not being able to scale. Who do I hire next? How do I create repeatable results? This client's happy. This client's pissed. 
and this price point at this project and this price point and this exact same project with another client. And it's just completely different, constantly going. And one of the things that I work with on with agencies on a fairly regular basis is that simple is able to scale and complex fails. And I mean, I've gone through this myself in offering a bunch of different services that made my business struggle to be able to scale. And it made my life quite difficult as well. So it's not specifically only happens to agency owners and to agencies, it happens to pretty much any service business is that you need to figure out exactly what it is that you do, how it is that you do it, who it is that you serve, and offer just that you don't have to be everything to everyone. In fact, your clients are not going to be better served by doing that. So create that simplicity in your business will really help you be able to get to where you want to be. So Robert, this is one of the things that we are very aligned on. I often say agencies don't often suffer from starvation. They're suffering from indigestion. They just happen to feel the same. And it's, of course, symptomatic of there's way too many different things coming in. And we can't build great systems and processes on the back end of the business to run it because we don't really have that much predictability on what's coming in. So that really limits the amount of rigidity around the structure of our systems, our operations, our workflows, even the way we structure our data to get answers in reports and optimize our systems for financial planning and time tracking and project management and all those things, the more variability we have on the front end, the harder it is to do all those things on the back end. So I'm curious, if an agency is struggling with their positioning, maybe they're doing a lot of different types of work, not many of their projects look similar. What are some of the symptoms they might be feeling in their business that indicate they should think about really narrowing the scope of what they take on and tightening up their positioning? I mean, there's so many different symptoms that come from from that, right? I mean, when you look at a project and it isn't really profitable, um, you're having issues with utilization ratios being extremely high, your talent isn't and your team isn't really engaged in the agency anymore are some of the key ones that you'll see happen very regularly. Um what I what I will say on the pricing point of what you were what you were talking about there, and yeah, there is a ton of variables in that. Um, the thing that I want to sort of point out here that I think is really important um, is that there's so many agencies, and I know that I did this myself, so many agency owners um, created the business because they were really good at what they did. And whether that be graphic design, whether that be web design, whether it be branding, whatever it was that they started off doing, they were really good at that. And they were passionate about it. They enjoyed it. And over time, the business was created by the client or by the team. And I would say, stop and just take a minute to think about why you're in this business in the first place. What do you enjoy about it? Who do you enjoy working with? And start from there. I'm a firm, firm believer that do what you love and do what you're passionate about. And we can figure out how to monetize it, trying to figure out what you want to monetize and what you're going to monetize, and then trying to inject what you love into it makes it a whole lot more complicated. Let's start from what you actually enjoy, and then we can monetize it afterwards which is going to really be able to allow you to figure out what your packages are going to be, what your offer is, what your pricing point is going to be, can can really do and really help guide you there. I mean, there's a ton we can talk about from value pricing to creating sales budget structures and all that type of stuff. But I think what's really important is figure out what do you love? Why are you here? And allow yourself to build your business from there. I love that insight. And I think that's a really great piece of advice. I think far too often, we just assume that growth is the goal for the business. But ultimately, as entrepreneurs, why did we start this business? Why do we take on all this risk? We have to consider what that means for us personally. And we should be designing the business to be something that we actually enjoy, 
right? Um, actually, a mentor of mine, Dan, likes to say that the biggest risk to the business is not the market, it's not competition, it's the founder not wanting to do it anymore. So we're better off um, really being uh, clear about who we want to work with on the front end. I, I'm glad that you brought that up. It's not purely an objective decision a lot of the time. So with that said, what are some of the things that, assuming that there's some folks listening that have or are going to start to narrow in on the types of service offerings that are best suited for their uh, skill sets, for their agency, for who they like to work with, what are some of the things that you have to do after you've done that to actually realize the benefit of having a more specific offering on the front end? How do we capitalize on that on the operations side? So I'm going to sort of describe it in a higher level place, and then I'll get more into the nitty gritty. So the first thing that I think that's really important to start thinking about it, because I'm a very firm, firm believer in value based pricing, bill based on the result. So I would first determine what is your minimum sort of project that you want to actually be bringing in? What does that look like? What does your ideal client look like? And how and what does that ideal project look like? And then from that point, start to detail out what are the results that you generate have generated for clients in the past? What has been the ROI for that client? What what amount of sales or what was the result of the work that you did? And then be able to actually say, all right, is it reasonable for me to be charging 4X, 10X? Like what is the reasonable sort of place that I should be? And build out four or five, maybe 10 of those types of case studies of what it's going to be. So it gives you a parameter around which you um, should be building that price point. Then getting to the real nitty gritty numbers piece of it, um, what I like to do is actually building out a sales budget template, whether you build it in Excel or you build it in an application or you use the software that does it. Um, you want to start thinking about it um, where I see agencies go wrong and agencies go in the better direction is start thinking about time as a percentage of a person rather than a number of hours. Nine times out of 10, an agency that's trying to say, oh, I can get that done in 10 hours, they're going to be 100% off course, and it's not right at all. When you think about it in, hey, this person can handle five projects of this size, so it's going to be 20% of their time. And you need to build in the administrative cost of that person, the amount of time that they're going to be gone on vacation, the water cooler talk, all of that stuff that makes someone enjoy being at work and giving them the space to not feel overwhelmed. You need to build that into the proposal as well. And so thinking about time as a percentage of time is a much better way and a much more accurate way. It's going to give you some more flexibility in being able to make sure that the pricing point is correct. But on the sort of base metrics of that sales budget, you want to be looking at what is your gross profitability in order for you to be able to hit your objectives? What What is the actual net profit that you're actually going to have? So if the easiest way to look at it is, let's say that I am, a, if just for easy number's sake, um, I'm operating a $10 million agency fee agency, and this project is a million dollars, it's roughly going to be 10% of my operating costs. So you're going to assume that 10% of operating costs, this is what my net profit assumed that profit is going to be on this actual project and build that into every single proposal that you're building out. And essentially at that point that the director of BD or the owner of the agency can say, hey, here is my gross profit. It's within the minimum. Here's my net profit. It's within the minimum. Okay, let's go ahead and send this out. It looks good. This should be a proposal that would work for the agency. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, 
templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Robert, I love that you just shared that idea. And I want to dig deeper on that just for a second. This idea of thinking about estimates in terms of a percentage of somebody's time as opposed to a number of hours. Now, this might fly over a few people's heads, but let's really talk about that. There are examples of agencies that have done this really, really well. Media Monks comes to mind as one of those examples where um, they actually like to brag about how they don't use timesheets, which isn't really true. They they don't use timesheets, but it doesn't mean that they don't track time. They're just not using timesheets to do it. They actually use their resource plan. And the reason they're able to use their resource plan and they have a single person, the project manager, actually keeping track of what the time allocations look like across the team is because their team only works with you know, one, two, three different projects at a time. And they have these pods, these cross-functional pods that they work with. So that project manager can show up to their pod of let's call it 10 creatives, review the resource plan with them a couple times a week and actually get a pretty accurate um, assessment of where their time was spent because there isn't a ton of complexity where they're bouncing around between five, six, seven, eight clients in a day, which makes it really hard for a single person to capture time for 10 people. That's why you have to use timesheets and put that responsibility on the creative team. So with all of that said, I think it's a really powerful idea to think as an agency owner about how can I restructure our operational model and how we do work so that I can actually have less what I like to call client dilution for my team. They're not working on 10 different clients at once. They're working on just a handful. This tends to actually make them more productive, increase their output, and increases utilization. Um, it does a lot of really positive things in my experience. And I think it's something that more agencies should be thinking about how to get closer to. Yeah, 100%. Um, one of the things that I think is really, really interesting about this this concept of time too, right, and tracking time is that I was having a conversation with a client not too long ago, and they were t telling me on time tracking, like, Robert, I can't possibly track my time. I'm going from sending this email to working on this project to working on this and working on that. And I'm doing 50 things in an hour. And I'm like, yeah, and therein lies the problem. Right, like you've just identified 100% of the problem. And I'm hoping that even just by time tracking, you'll start to recognize that I need to start working in blocks of time that human beings, we know for a fact cannot multitask. So stop trying to do it. It's not good for you. It's not you're not even really able to accomplish it. You're not getting your best output. And it just stresses you out. And there's there's so much time cost and money cost that goes into training new team members. And when you have someone leave, especially great talent, I mean, at the core of what this industry does is we sell our team's expertise, our team's time. And if our team and the talent isn't happy, isn't engaged, then our service isn't going to be as good. The results aren't going to be as good. So let's making make sure that we're not overwhelming the team that they have the time and the space to be able to work on the project that they have assigned to them and not focus on having utilization rates that are 85% plus because let's face it, you're killing your team if you're at that utilization rate. And I'm so glad that you brought this up because this is a playbook that's been run in the agency industry for so long. I mean, when I hear from an agency owner that they expect their team to build 40 hours a week, it makes me want to cry because what they're doing is building a business model that 
It depends on them exploiting their team in order to be profitable. And you and I, Robert, both know from modeling tons of agencies that that's not necessary. The whole team could net out at 60, 65% utilization at the end of the year, and you should still be able to hit 25, 30, 35% plus EBITDA. Um, and, and the team doesn't have to work overtime in order to do that. So I actually want to dig into this a little bit more um, and talk about net profit versus gross profit and how to think about that when you're estimating projects. And my theory on this is you're kind of wasting your time if you try to get to net margin when you're estimating a project, because you should have a good enough idea of how much of your agency gross income gets spent on overhead. Usually that's anywhere from 20 to 30% of your agency gross income in the run of a year. And you should be setting some constraints on the business so that you're only spending that much money on overhead. You're right sizing it based on your AGI. And then when you're estimating a project, project, you really just have to pay attention to gross profitability. So you know, okay, if we had a 70% gross margin, we spent 30% of our um, income on overhead, then we should be in a reasonably good place to hit our net margin target. I'm curious how you think through that, what your playbook is for thinking through estimating projects and setting profitability targets for projects when you're scoping them out. Um, so to, to start off with, I want to distinguish the difference between a project that includes a ton of outside vendor costs and freelancer costs and media costs because they're you're going to evaluate them completely differently. So let's talk about 100% agency fee service-based, right? Ideally speaking, we're wanting to be anywhere 70% plus um, in gross profit, ideally, um, if we can be in that sort of range. Um it can be difficult unless you have built a reputation and a brand and people are actually coming to you knowing and wanting to work with you. So until you've built that, that brand, it'll be difficult to get to that, that place. What I will say, um, I 100% agree with you understanding what your general GNA should be based on a percentage of something that you should be able to know and have that number. What I will say is that so many agency owners are incredibly busy and uh, BD departments aren't really watching things as quickly. What I do know sort of works very well and why in the Excels that I build with clients, what I do is I turn on this like red green light at the bottom, right? Like, hey, this is within the minimums that we're looking for. It's green or no, it's red. So it just automatically turns a color. So it's like, hey, you know, you need to really make sure that you're looking at this. Um, ideally speaking, I want to have the agency being at minimum on the net profit at 25% plus. Um, and that that also is going to depend on the amount of compensation for the agency owner. So there's going to be lots of tax advantages and ways that you go about tax planning specifically for your own agency um, that you want to consider on your own compensation. So I'm excluding um, the compensation of the owner on payroll for that. All right. So that's pretty aligned to how I think about it as well. 70-ish percent um, as a benchmark. That's good. That gives you lots of gross margin, allows you to have healthy overhead and still net out at a healthy level. Now, I want to talk about projects that do have um, a huge amount of pass-through expenses or lots of pass-through expenses because the way I look at this is you might be marking those things up, but that revenue does not belong to you, right? So you might hear an agency owner say like, oh yeah, I run a $10 million a year business, but actually their AGI might be 2 million because 8 million of that is ad spend, right? So I prefer to use that agency gross income number. So the revenue minus all the pass through to external vendors as a way to assess the efficiency and profitability of an agency. Because if you're factoring in those pass through costs, in my mind, that's muddying the water and making it very difficult to actually assess truly how efficient are we at earning revenue when we do work, when we spend time doing things for client, how efficiently um, do we do that? And how good are we at earning revenue at a high margin? I'm curious how you think about that. 
I 100% agree with you. And it sort of warms my heart hearing you say that. But there's so many agency owners that like, hey, have this ego attachment to like, I'm at a $7 million agency. And it's like, "Mm, no, you're not. You're more 2 million because 5 million of it is outside media costs. So let's, let's, let's look at it as a $2 million agency. So it's, it's that piece that does play in a lot when you're, you're talking with agency owners. And it's, I, I 100% agree with you. It needs to be just the amount of service that you've actually earned that how you should evaluate it. And I, I think all of this bubbles back up to the baseline thesis, right? Which is that in order to build great agency operations, we need to make good assumptions about client work. What time horizon is it going to take place over? What volume of time is going to be required to get that work done? What skills within that volume of time are going to be required from different people? And all of these decisions that we make, all the future planning that we try to do around financials and profitability and hiring people and firing people and project plans, all of these rely on us being able to make good assumptions about those projects. And I think we've talked about a lot of the nuanced details of what it looks like to work through um, those kinds of things and figuring that stuff out. And I really appreciate you getting in the weeds and going there with me today, Robert. Absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll leave with um, the, the thing that I personally have felt so many times being a business owner and being a financial executive at agencies is that the more the more I make a decision with information and with data, the more comfortable I feel. Anytime I did it based on gut or like, hey, this is an assumption that I'm making is when I, when I sat there at night with my eyes wide open, not able to sleep. Did I make the right decision? Did I make the right decision? Did I make the right decision? And I mean, me personally, I love my sleep. So I want to make every decision I possibly can with data so that I have the comfort of the data and making those decisions with that. Well, I am very much a proponent of the same thing. Um, and I think that's it's been well-researched that human beings are just really bad at <laughs> making assumptions about things like projects and scope. And we tend to be a little too optimistic. So uh, I appreciate you coming on and sharing all of this. I'm sure there's lots of folks listening that want to consume more of your content. They want to follow you and what you're doing. Where should we direct them so that they can have more Robert in their life? Absolutely. Go to creativeagencysuccess.com. I'm also offering a copy of my uh, my book, The Agency Blueprint, on my website as well. So if you go to the resources tab within the site, you can download a free copy of my book. Amazing. So we will have links to the book, to Robert's website, and some social links as well in the show notes. So if you're listening, make sure to scroll down and check those out and grab a copy of the book. It is a bestseller in this industry, and it's a great read. Highly recommend you check it out. And with that, Robert, thanks so much for making the time for us and coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a- hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.
better.